My name is Jeff Wilson. By day, I invest in tech companies. And at night, I invest in sports cards. Join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode. Today, business lessons for sports card investing. Today, I'm going to tell you some stories about my adventures in business and some lessons that I've learned along the way, lessons from the business world that I think apply really well to sports card investing and hopefully giving you some tips to make you a better sports card investor based on these lessons that I've learned. But before we get into that and start the episode, I just have one thing to say, and that is go Gators. What a weekend of college football as a Gator fan. Pretty proud of our win against the top 10 team, Auburn. Uh, pretty happy about that. I know I may be losing some viewers at the moment as some of you guys are closing your YouTube or your podcast going, what is this? What is this? I get it. I understand, but it's all good and it's all fun. It was a great weekend of college football, a great weekend of NFL, a great weekend of NBA preseason, which is starting. Uh, Zion Mania is actually going to be on a court in front of us. Uh, in fact, I hear Zion's going to be playing the whole first half against the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. So I'm excited to watch that. And then, of course, a great weekend for Major League Baseball playoffs. I was excited to see the Astros doing so well. I was excited to see the Yankees doing so well. Uh, the Dodgers, one and one. We'll see where they go with their series. Hopefully, they'll pull through because, as you know, if you watched my last episode, my recommendation was to buy players from the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Yankees because those three had the highest odds to make it to the World Series final. Uh, so I would like to see... Uh, the World Series final comprised of those teams, or obviously two of those teams. Uh, so hopefully they continue to do well. Although I do wish my Atlanta Braves will knock off St. Louis and, and hopefully we'll make some noise and maybe make it to the series as well. Uh, that would be that would be fun to watch too, because uh, I do I do love the Braves and all Atlanta sports. Um, hey, I wanted to thank everybody who has applied to be a writer for my website. So in the last episode, I said that I have launched a new writer's program that I wanted to bring some fresh voices into my website, into my content, into this channel. Uh, and I wanted to get uh, various people who listen to the show, who have a passion for sports card investing and feel like they have some really unique knowledge or perspectives to share when it comes to uh, certain aspects of sports card and card investing, I asked them to consider being a writer for my website, sportscardinvestor.com. And I said that I would be taking article submissions, posting the best articles to my website. And then every month I would be awarding a $250 prize to the author of the best article. I've had a ton of people reach out with some really good article ideas. People want to write articles about investing in vintage cards, investing in pre-war cards, investing in soccer cards, investing in hockey cards, a lot of good content things that maybe I haven't even covered on this show. Um, and so a lot of great content that we can add into the website. And then maybe some of those things will be turned into future episodes of this show for you as well. If you have an interest in being part of the writer program, I encourage you to check it out. I would love to have you write an article for sportscardinvestor.com. Just go to my website, sportscardinvestor.com, and in the main menu bar, there is now a link called article submission. Just click the article submission link and it will tell you how you can be part of the program. It will give you all the specific 
basics in terms of uh, the articles and, and how long they have to be and everything like that. So go read the details, submit an article. I would love to feature you and be able to talk about the great article that you wrote on my social channels, on this show, uh, and certainly uh, promote it on my website. So thanks for being part of that. I am excited to be creating the best content platform for sports card investors. I wanna cover all forms of sports, all forms of cards. I wanna have a lot of great perspectives to bring to you. And in order to do that, I wanna get some great uh, folks from the community participating. So thank you for being part of that. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the topic today, business lessons learned and how they apply to sports card investing. So as you know, you, you know, from seeing my intro of this show, as you know, I am I am my by day I am a business person. I am an entrepreneur, I am a serial entrepreneur. I have started nine different businesses and invested in a bunch of others. Um, So entrepreneurship is what I know, uh, particularly tech companies, but I've actually uh, started a whole bunch of different stores. I started three Ben and Jerry's ice cream stores. Uh, I'm an an ice cream guy. I'm a franchisee. Uh, Several years ago, uh, they were all over the University of Florida campus uh, in Gainesville, hence, you know, Gators, right? Uh, so um, I owned uh, I owned those ice cream stores for a long time. Started a coffee shop. Started a computer store, a computer software store. Um, started an agency. Uh, started uh, even started a clothing business that didn't get very far, but I did start a clothing business. Um, and then I've started a bunch of online businesses, e-commerce, social media, software as a service. So uh, my entrepreneurial experience has been pretty wide. And then I've invested in a lot of other companies on top of that. Now. A few of these companies have been colossal failures, like big, big time failures. Thankfully, I've had a number of successes as well, but I have had some big failures. And when I talk about failures, I'm talking big failures. My biggest failure was a company that I lost a million dollars, a million dollars. I lost a million dollars on a company that I started. And it was the coolest of companies. And as a sports fan, you will appreciate this. This was around 2007. I started an online game for kids, an online kids world. I don't know if you have kids who used to play Webkins or Club Penguin, uh, or maybe you played Second Life. These multiplayer, massive online worlds were just starting to come online and starting to become popular. And so I said, why not create one for kids? And why not make it sports themed? And particularly, I wanted to do a football themed one because at that time there was nothing that was football or sports themed. So my wife and I teamed up to do this business together. She ran the day-to-day of the company. And what we decided to do was to create this, to go to popular football coaches and to try to get them involved in this and to create this online world themed after them. So the, the first coach that I went to being a Gator fan, I went to Urban Meyer because at that time, of course, he was the coach at UF and he was uh, had just come off a national championship win in 2006. So he was a really big deal. So I went to him and I, I tried to pitch him on becoming part of this online kids world uh, and he completely blew me off. Ur- Urban Meyer is not the nicest of people uh, and uh, he's, he's kind of, uh, uh, he's a little rough in person <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so he totally blew me off, had no interest, but, but Very important entrepreneurial lesson. If a door gets slammed in your face, which it will, you must persevere, you must pick up, you must go forward. And if you believe in your idea and you believe in what you are doing, you cannot allow a door slamming in your face to stop you. In fact, you have to get used to door slamming in your face and you have to take that as motivation and you have to keep on going. And so that's what I did. So I immediately started calling the agents 
of other popular football coaches. And the first coach I was able to get on board who was interested was Pete Carroll. At that time, Pete Carroll was the head coach of the University of Southern California, USC. Uh, and they had, of course, just won their national championships as well. They were a dynasty. Um, and he loved the concept, wanted to get involved. So the first online kids game that I launched was called CampPete.com. Uh, it was actually featured on ESPN. It was, uh, it was a big deal at the time, no longer online. So if you try to go there now, it's not gonna come up. Um, but I got Pete Carroll on board, but not only did I get Pete Carroll on board, I got Steve Spurrier on board and created CampSpurrier.com. I got Phil Fulmer on board. Uh, he was the UT coach, Tennessee at the time. Uh, CampFulmer.com. I got Charlie Weiss on board. He was the Notre Dame coach, uh, uh, CampWeiss.com. And I got Barry Switzer on board, uh, who was the former Cowboys and Oklahoma coach. And in fact, if you look behind me, you may have noticed this in previous episodes. The reason why I have a Barry Switzer signed football is because I did this project with Barry Switzer. And then this football actually has um, Pete Carroll, fight on Pete Carroll, uh, <laughs> go Gamecocks, Steve Spurrier. And uh, Phil Fulmer, go Vols, and Charlie Weiss, go Irish, because those were the coaches that I did this online venture with. This is probably the, well, I'm sure it's the only football in the world that actually has all of these guys having signed the same football, uh, because what else would bring that group of guys together? Um, but, but it was a total failure. I spent a million dollars developing out this incredible game. And I'll tell you more about it in a little while, but it did not work in the marketplace. It failed. The game did not take off. I burned a million bucks on it. So that was one of my disasters. But I tell you what, you learn more from the failures than you do the successes. You learn more from the failures than you do the successes. Failure is tuition. If you're an entrepreneur, failure is tuition. And this is true with sports card investing as well. Screwing something up buying a card that you're investing in that turns out to be a bad deal, getting scammed on eBay, setting something for the wrong price and selling it too early, you know, before it became worth a lot of money. That is tuition. That money that you lost in those transactions that you just paid to go to school is what you did, right? No different than paying to go to college. You just paid to go to the university of sports card hard lessons. But you know what? That's an important university to go to because you learn a lot from failure. And even though I paid literally a million dollars to go to the University of Hard Lessons when it came to my failed business venture, I learned a hell of a lot and I have made a hell of a lot more than the million dollars that I lost in future ventures. And a lot of the reason why I was able to do that was because of the lessons that I learned from that big loss that I had. So great entrepreneurial lesson, always treat your failures as tuition. What did I learn from that? Yes, it cost me money, but I learned from that. I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna move forward and I'm gonna take those learnings and I'm gonna do better next time. One important thing about entrepreneurship that I love is you only have to be right once. You only have to be right in a big way one time. You could start 10 different businesses and have nine of the 10 of them fail as long as you don't overextend yourself. Now, I'm not suggesting, you know, maxing out credit cards and mortgaging your house and putting yourself in debt. Because if you do that, then obviously one failure could truly, truly screw up your life. But if you're able to get a bunch of different little things off the ground, just through hustle, through bootstrapping, through piecing together little bits of money, it only takes one to go on to be very successful to make all of it worth it. And that's true in entrepreneurship. If you think about it, let's say you were to start 10 different businesses with $10,000 each. 
Nine of the 10 fail. Great. You've lost $90,000. That's awful. I get it. $90,000, not money you want to lose. But the one that's successful could go on to be worth a million dollars, several million dollars. And so the risk there, yes, you risk losing all of these, but the upside, the reward, the risk is only the $10,000 that you're putting into each business. The upside reward is the potential for that to turn into hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And that's why I love entrepreneurship is there's so much more upside than there is downside. And that is also true, by the way, with sports card investing, certain types of sports card investing. If you're, if you're a guy who's, who is going to take risks and buy, let's say, prospects, as long as you're buying low dollar ones, like if you're looking for the guys in the dollar bin, you're looking for those cards that are under five bucks that have the potential, you know, or under 10 bucks that have the potential to become worth hundreds of dollars potentially, you only have to be right once. You know, you can go buy 20 cards at, at five bucks each and all you need is one of them to break out and become that great player that where that card becomes worth a few hundred bucks or more and the whole thing has become worth it for you. Um, so anyway, I wanted to share with you today. So I've been, I've been through it all. I've had that massive failure I just talked about. Thankfully, I've had a number of successful companies as well. My day-to-day company that I run is a company called 352. It's an innovation and growth firm. Um, we do agency style work for companies, helping them uh, build out digital products and, and do digital marketing and kind of figuring out their next big thing, their next idea and bringing it to market. Um, that is a $10 million revenue company that I run day to day. I also have co-founded a number of different startups where I have operating partners running the startup on the day to day. Um, and I've got several startups that I'm involved in that have gone on to become worth millions and millions of dollars. So I've had a lot of success, which is great. But as I said, you learn a lot from the failure. But I wanted to share uh, five lessons today that I've learned from the from the successes and the failures that I think apply to sports card investing. So without further ado, the first lesson is invest in a niche. So whenever I am looking for a startup that I'm going to invest in, or a company that I'm going to start, my formula is that I wanna pick a niche industry, an industry that very few people are paying attention to, and also an industry that maybe maybe it's a little bit old school, it's a little bit traditional. Um, it's an industry that uh, you know there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of focus being put there, but there's actually some dollars in the industry. Um, I want to, I want to go to an industry where you can, you can infiltrate the industry where it's, you can get to the people and I'll give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. So one of the startups that, uh, I started that I have had a lot of success with is I, I built a series of apartment finder type of websites, you know, locate your next apartment. But as you, as you may know, if you've ever done an apartment uh, search before online, there's some big national sites like apartments.com and apartment finder, that type of thing that will do this for you. Well, I said, how can I niche that? How can I niche it? And so what we did was we created a series of these websites for individual cities. So instead of trying to go national and compete with all the big boys, I said, let's go geographically niched. Let's pick one particular city. And the first city we started with was Gainesville, Florida, because I was in Gainesville at the time, the University of Florida being a university town, huge market of apartments, college students buying apart, you know, renting apartments all the time. So apartments are constantly needing to advertise. So we created a website called swamprentals.com, still online today. It is the dominant website when it comes to apartment searching in Gainesville. Absolutely dominates in the marketplace. Why? Because our niche was 
We're only gonna do Gainesville apartments and we're gonna have a ton of content about Gainesville. We're gonna tell you about all the different neighborhoods. We're gonna tell you what each apartment is close to in terms of great restaurants, bars, how far of a drive it is from campus, what bus route to campus it's on. These are things that none of the national websites are gonna tell you because they're not focused enough on each individual city to be able to give you a lot of depth of information about that particular city. So our niche was, let's go really, really deep with a particular city and create a great website for that city. So we did that for Gainesville, then we did it for Tampa, then we did it for Orlando, then we did it for Jacksonville, et cetera. And so uh, that's been a really successful way that we've niched. Another startup that I started was creating software that trade associations like, you know, the uh, a lawyers association or a contractors association, construction companies, uh, trade associations uh, that manage those groups, they use this software to manage their business. Well, there are a lot of other software products that do that. So we decided to niche by being the best trade association software product to integrate with QuickBooks. So if, if trade associations are using QuickBooks, so that's kind of a niche within trade associations, trade associations that are using QuickBooks, we are the best product that interfaces with them. So I am a big believer in going after a particular niche. And the reason why is that it is easier to infiltrate a niche. When you're going after a niche, there's a finite group of people that you need to market your product or service to. It's also easier then to gain traction within that group because that group is typically tight-knit. The people talk to each other. Um, and so you can sell your product or service into that group. And if you have a good experience with one or two customers, it's likely they're going to talk to others within that group. Um, it's also easier to learn from the group. So you know who your users are going to be. You know who your target customers are going to be. So it's easier to go to that audience and to get feedback on your product. And it's also easier to build a great solution for them because you're not trying to build this big product that's going to appeal to everybody. You're not trying to build the next Facebook. You're not trying to build the next Uber. You're simply trying to build a niche product to serve one particular industry, one particular marketplace within an industry that makes it easier to build something really great that they love. Now the same, so these business lessons, investing in a niche, the same applies to sports card investing and here's why. If you are new getting into sports card investing, what I would tell you is pick a niche. Pick one particular sport that you want to get started with. Pick one investment style. And by investment style, I mean you're doing rookie prospecting or you're, you're looking at second and third year guys who you think could have a breakout year next year. Or you're looking for veteran players who you think uh, are going to go on to be Hall of Famers. Or you're looking for uh, players on teams that you think are going to have a deep run in the postseason. These would all be different types of investment styles. Pick one. Pick a particular brand of card you're going to go after, right? What I'm saying here is narrow, narrow down. Maybe pick particular teams. Maybe pick particular players. But don't try to do too much. Instead, concentrate in on what you're doing, especially when you're getting started, but get to know it really, 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 really well. Because if you can pick one area of the sports hobby that you're concentrated on from an investment standpoint, and you get to know it really well, you get to know the different types of of parallels or refractors within that particular card that you know set that people care about you get to know the pricing uh, because there's a limited number of cards you're looking at so you start to know what the pricing is so when you go to card shows or when you're looking on ebay you instantly know if something's a good deal or not that's a good place to be so start by picking a niche it will serve you well when it comes to sports card investing the second thing which is related my second tip is do one thing 
and do it very, very well. Do one thing and do it very, very well. You know, the death of many companies, including some businesses that I've been involved in in the past, is trying to do too much. And if you try to do too much, you are mediocre at everything. Whenever I go into Cheesecake Factory or the Grand Lux Cafe and I open the colossal menu that has sections for Italian and Mexican and Chinese, I look at it and go, you know what? None of this food's going to be great. It's still going to be okay. Like Cheesecake Factory is okay. The food's decent. But the stuff in the Mexican section is not as good as if you go to a specialty Mexican restaurant. The stuff in the Italian section is not as good as if you go to a specialty Italian restaurant, etc. right? Because you can't be good at everything. And the people who are in the kitchen at those types of places, they have so many different types of dishes they have to prepare because the menu is so wide that not all of the dishes are going to be excellent, right? I would rather go to the specialty restaurant. Just like McDonald's trying to serve, you know, chicken sandwiches to compete with Chick-fil-A, which Chick-fil-A only serves chicken sandwiches, right? But here you got a McDonald's trying to serve chicken sandwiches. Obviously, it's just, it's not going to be as good. It's the same thing in cards. It's the same thing as going to Walmart to try to buy sports cards. Obviously, you know, the the what Walmart's going to offer in terms of sports cards is not going to be the same quality as your local card store, right? You're not going to get the same selection. You're not going to get the same expertise behind the counter to help you out. And it's because Walmart has a zillion different departments and sports cards are such a tiny little bit of their revenue. They hardly care. But with your local card shop, it's everything they do. It's their specialty, right? So you going to specialty stores is better. And I feel like when you are approaching sports card investing, you want to think about what is that one thing that I'm going to do very, 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 very well. So that could be, for example, buying ungraded cards, looking for ones that are gem mint and getting them graded. Some people have become extremely good at being able to look at a raw card and determine if it's going to grade as a PSA 10 or a BGS 9.5. That is something that you could become very, very good at and concentrate on. Another thing would be buying prospects in baseball and getting to know all of the prospects. Who are the top 20 prospects for every major league team? Can you become great at prospecting and looking at the data and figuring out which of these guys are undervalued in the marketplace but could come up? That's one thing that you could do very, very well. Could you become great at going to card shows and going through the dollar boxes and pulling out the cards that are actually worth five or 10 or 25 bucks and making a quick flip? Could you become great at looking at uh, ComC? Uh, all the time and finding great deals on ComC that are opportune for quick, you know, for quick flips. Could you become great at getting to know pre-war baseball cards and figuring out when there is a card that you come across that's a particularly good deal? Whatever it is that you want to become really, really good at, become really, really good at that and 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 don't do other stuff. Like focus in one area and until you've ex- become an expert and have achieved greatness in that one area, cut out some of the rest of the noise. So that's something that I always look for when I'm investing in businesses. It's something that I think is important in sports cards investing as well. My number three business tip that relates to sports card investing is to always think sales and marketing first. You know, there are a lot of business people that get caught up in the product or service that they're providing. I see this a lot in the agency world, you know, digital agencies, graphic design agencies, uh, programming agencies, software agencies. A lot of these companies were started by people who were really, really great at design or really, really great at programming. And so then they started their own agency to provide these services to people. But what they what they have what they find is that they're not very good 
at certain aspects of running the business, particularly sales and marketing. Sales and marketing is something that if you want to start a business and you want to grow a business, you have to aspire to be great at sales and marketing. It's often more important than the actual work that you're providing because you can be great at the work But if you're not great at sales and marketing, you're never going to be able to scale your business. Part of the reason why, to be quite honest, I've had the success that I've had with 352, which is my company that does, you know, design work and programming work is because I was never a very good designer and I was never a very good programmer. So I did start doing that work myself in the early days when I started the company, but it was, I was quick to fire myself from those jobs. I was quick to hire in designers and programmers who were better than me to allow me to concentrate on the business and in particular to concentrate on sales and marketing. And by me as the owner concentrating on sales and marketing, that really allowed our company to start to grow and scale in the early days. Now, this is important to you as a sports card investor. Why does this matter? Why is it important for you to become good at sales and marketing and and build a reputation and connect with people? Well, first of all, It's because by building a reputation, by building a reputation, by being good at marketing yourself and building a reputation in the hobby, it allows you to connect with more people. It allows more people to know who you are. Um, And by doing that, you start to sometimes find better deals. People start to alert you when they see a deal online or a card online that you might be interested in. Sometimes you're gonna get better trades as a result of this. Sometimes you're gonna get people who uh, want to partner with you on doing something business related or, or simply help promote what you have going on on eBay or whatever that may look like. It's always good to promote yourself, whether it is whether you're promoting yourself as a business or whether you're simply promoting yourself as an individual. Building a following, building a community around you is really important to your success as a sports card investor. Now, of course, one way you can do this is through social media. You can be active on Instagram and build a following. You could be active on Twitter and build a following, or you could be active in forums. You know, some people are, uh, they go to forums like blowout forums and they're very, very active on there. Uh, and, and a lot of people start to know who they are as a result of that. But I think doing something like that and starting to build a name and reputation is really important as a sports card investor. Start in one particular area. You don't have to you know, be across all of these platforms. You can, you can pick one particular area of Facebook group perhaps a sports card investor Facebook group or a Discord chat server, perhaps the sports card investor Discord chat server, right? Where you want to be active and you want to participate and you want people to start to know who you are so that you can build a community and connect with people and get the benefits that the benefits that come with that. Um, You know, part of the reason why I started a Facebook group and a Discord chat server for sports card investor was because I wanted to build a community around the show. By doing that, it gives me the advantage of being able to, first of all, get show ideas from, you know, get tips from my audience. And a lot of you have said, hey, here's an idea for another show or here's a tip. A lot of you are, are giving me feedback on my episodes, which makes allows me to make my future episodes better. And it gives me a way to alert all of you whenever I put out a new episode. So by having that community, I can now say to everybody in the community, hey guys, I got a new episode. Please go watch it. Please let me know what you think. So even if I wasn't producing a show and just selling cards, having a community around me that I could tell when I've got new listings up or that I could say, hey guys, these are the types of cards I'm looking for. If you see any of them, let me know. It's always a valuable thing to market yourself and to build a community around you. And by the way, it is why 
every episode, I tell you to please subscribe to my YouTube channel or my podcast. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit the little subscribe button and the little bell icon on YouTube or subscribe in podcasts because it allows me to build a community and it allows you to be notified of when new shows come out, which helps me increase my reach. So building, marketing yourself in those ways and building a community is very important to success for a business just as it is very important to success being a sports card investor. The number four tip, the number four tip from my business career that I am bringing into sports card investing, no matter how small you are, look polished. No matter how small small you are, look polished. So in business, being small can sometimes be a big disadvantage. If you are a small startup, and you are trying to sell to enterprises, to big companies, they will often look at you and say, no, you're a risk to us. Because why should we use your software product or why should we buy your service? Because we don't know if you're gonna be in business in a year or two. So why should we buy anything from you? Because what if you're not there to support it? What if you're not there to support me? So being small can be a problem in the early stages. But the way to overcome that, there's two things that you can, you can do to overcome that. The first is to tout the advantages of being small. Being small as a business does offer you some advantage. It gives you the ability to be nimble. It gives you the ability to act quickly. It gives you the ability to put your best people and your own brain power on the work of your most important big clients. So if I'm part of a very small company going in and doing a sales pitch to a very large company, Those are all things I'll say. I'll say the reason why you should work with me and my small company instead of some of the other big companies out there is because I'm going to give you more attention. You're going to get more focus from my senior leaders. If you go work for, if you go buy this from a big company, you're just going to be one of a thousand customers of theirs. But if you buy it from me, you're, you're going to be one of my most important customers. So you're going to get my focus, my attention. I'm going to respond to your needs really quickly. So that's one way to fight being a small company. Another way to do it is to look really, really polished and buttoned up. Image matters. Having a good professional looking logo, having a professional looking website, having a professional email address, having a professional looking email template, having a professional looking online store. These are, you know, having professional looking social uh, profiles. These are all things that make a big difference if somebody is going to take a chance on you and somebody is going to buy for you and how this translates into being a sports card investor is that whenever you're doing anything online, if you're selling on eBay, if you're even if you're simply buying cards, if you're participating in forums, if you're on social media, look polished. Put a little bit of effort into making your avatar look good. To put a little bit of effort into making your eBay listings look really professional and polished. This will return to you tenfold. The more professional and polished you look, the more people are going to trust you. And the more people that are going to trust you, the more people are going to be willing to buy from you or invest in you or listen to what you have to say or tell you about that great deal that they found or maybe accept your low buy it now offer, even though it's a little bit low, but they look at your profile and they're like, yeah, that guy's pretty buttoned up. I trust he's going to pay me. You know, I, I trust this person. So that's that, you know, polish is so important to trust. If you're doing a podcast or a YouTube show, it's good lighting. 
It's a good camera. It's a good microphone, which by the way, none of this costs much money. You know, I put this YouTube show together for a couple hundred bucks of lights on Amazon, of a microphone on Amazon, but it makes such a difference to have a polished professional look and you don't have to spend a lot on it. You just have to be creative about how you go about it. If you're trying to get logos designed, if you're trying to get graphics designed for social media or YouTube or whatever that may be, go to Fiverr. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. It's a great website where you can get a lot of real professional things done like podcast intros, music jingles, whatever you could possibly need, business card designs, flyers, whatever you may need to support, whatever you're going to be doing as a sports card investor, go to Fiverr, get that done because it will help you look polished for just a little bit of money. So that's very important. My fifth and final tip for today's episode, done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. And referencing back earlier this episode, I told you about that business that I lost a million dollars on. That that online game that I created with Pete Carroll and Steve Spurrier and a bunch of these other coaches that I lost a million dollars on. The biggest mistake that I made, the biggest mistake that I made was I had a concept, an amazing concept for what this game was gonna be like. Super in-depth. This massive game world with all of these games and different worlds inside that kids could explore. And I had hours and hours of video from these coaches. I filmed hours of video with Pete Carroll and Steve Spurrier and Charlie Weiss giving all these youth football tips and plays for youth football and and ideas for how you could be a a better quarterback if you were you know an eight year old kid how you could go practice with your dad and be a better quarterback and all this kind of stuff we spent two years two years building out this game and filming all this video and doing all of this stuff before we finally put it in the marketplace and during that two years the world changed we built everything in flash remember flash Flash was that technology when you went to a website that things were animated on the screen and everything like that. Well, what happened when Apple came out with the iPhone and the iPad and they didn't support Flash? Flash started to go away. Flash started to die. Well, we built this game before the first iPhone or iPad came out. But by the time we actually launched it to market, the iPhone was out. The iPad was coming out and Flash was starting to not be as big of a thing. Also, because the iPad was coming out, games were starting to quickly shift to the iPad and to the iPhone, and our game wasn't compatible with those platforms, and it would have cost an incredible amount of money. Worse, because we took two years for development, we also allowed other competitors to enter the market. At the time we started building the game, we were going to be the first online kids' world that was going to be sports-themed. By the time we launched, the NFL had launched their own NFL Rush Zone, which some of your kids might have played. NFL Rush Zone wasn't a thing when we started building our game, but it launched weeks before we launched ours. Total disaster. And then there were others that launched right around the time we launched ours as well that were also sports themed. And so taking two years to build this game and get it to market to make it perfect was the biggest mistake we possibly could have made. If we got it done in a shorter period of time, even though it wouldn't have been perfect and we put it out into the marketplace, 
we would have had a much greater chance of success. It would have also, by the way, cost us a lot less money because we would have spent less time on it. And we would have learned so much more by putting it out into the marketplace and letting kids start to use it and play with it. We would have learned what those kids really wanted and how they really would have loved to have played our game as opposed to spending two years in development thinking that we were going to make everything Perfect. Now, this was before the concept of minimum viable product MVP before that came out. I don't know how much of you, how much you know, my audience here knows about software development, but the term MVP is is a big deal in software development. It does not mean most valuable player like it does in sports. It means minimum viable product, and the concept is that instead of building a really big crazy piece of software, build something really small and simple and launch it. And then, build, and then come out with updates to make it better and better and better and better. That's a better way to build software and it's a safer way to build software. Um, well, we learned that the hard way. I learned that, I learned that the hard way. But the lessons that we learned from that, the next business that my wife and I did together, which went on to be a huge success, we promised ourselves we were only gonna spend 90 days, 90 days building out the business before it was a software product, building out the software product before we launched it to start to get customers because we didn't want to make the same mistake and that allowed us to be so much more successful. How does this relate to sports card investing or to any business that you're doing within the hobby? How it relates is first of all, just do it. Just do it. If you're thinking about starting a blog, start the blog. If you're thinking about starting a YouTube show, start the YouTube show. If you're thinking about opening up an eBay store, open up the eBay store. Just do it. It, it you know, just do it and learn from it. So many people get caught up thinking about the strategy and this, that, and the other. So many people mess themselves up mess themselves up by thinking through the thousand reasons why something may not work or why something may not be perfect. And if you get caught in that mental framework where you're thinking about, oh, you know, I'd like to do this, but I don't know about this and I'm not sure that I could do this, you're going to talk yourself out of the opportunity to be successful. You will talk yourself out of the opportunity to be successful. A better approach is just to put your head down and just do it. And it may not be great and it may not be perfect, but you will learn so much from it and then you'll be able to polish it up. You'll be able to make it great. You'll make it look shiny, make it look nice, make it look professional and polished, but just do it because you can, you can put it out there and you can learn those lessons, getting something out to market, getting something into the marketplace. It's just so important. Also with sports cards, here's another thing. Like if you're just starting to invest for the first time and you're like, man, I kind of want to invest in sports cards, but I don't know where to start. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to make money at this. And I don't know if I'm going to be successful. And there's so many different card brands and I'm confused. And I, you know, if, if that's just buy some stuff and buy cheap stuff. One really nice thing I like about sports card investing is that you can buy stuff for a couple bucks. Go buy some sub $5 cards and see if you can flip them. Just try. Try to buy some cards that are a few bucks and see if you can sell them for 10 bucks, you know, next year, right? Just take a chance. Just do it. Just get into the market and do it. If you're not, listen, what's most valuable, what's most valuable when you're starting out in sports card investing or any business, what's most valuable is to learn. And you cannot learn unless you're doing you really can't. You could, hey, look, you can watch a thousand episodes of this show, and I hope you do, and I hope you get some good pointers and takeaways from this show. But until you actually start to buy and sell cards, 
you could learn all the lessons you want from this show, but until you actually start to learn to sell and buy cards, you, you will not know what it's like and you will not know if you got it down right. So it's the process of doing that is always gonna teach you the most. And then when you come and listen to a show like this, it's gonna make so much more sense because you're in it and you're doing it and you're trying it out. So I would always recommend, always recommend done is better than perfect. Get it out there, get it done, do it, and see what happens. All right, guys, I know this was a little bit of a different type of episode today, talking business a little bit more, not talking about individual cards. I would love to know what you think. You wanna hear more episodes like this or nope? Jeff, let's get back to talking cards. Hey, either way is okay. I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear your feedback. You can, of course, leave comments on YouTube, but what I would especially love you to do is join my Facebook group or join my Discord chat server, and by the way, if you haven't, if you joined the Discord chat server before and you haven't been on it for a while, go back on it because there is so much conversation going on right now. We got some new uh, new moderators in there. They're doing a great job. The Discord chat server has really, really come to life. The Facebook group is great as well. The link to Facebook and to Discord are in the show notes for today's episode. Just expand the show notes, hit show more, the little description of the show, expand the description of the show, and you can see the links. You can also go to my website, sportscardinvestor.com, and they are all linked from my website, Sports Card Investor. Hey, please subscribe to this show. I have some awesome shows that are going to be coming out over the next week. I'm collaborating with Ty from Breaker Culture on a show. We're going to talk some basketball cards and some of the basketball card sets that are coming out uh, in the upcoming weeks and whether you should invest in them or not. That's going to be an important episode. And I am I am about to put out the episode about Hall of Famers and if it's a good idea to invest in guys right before they go into the Hall of Fame. So there is some great content coming your way. Please subscribe. Please hit the little bell icon so you you are notified. Thank you for watching today's show, and I will see you on Wednesday with the next show. Enjoy your week, everybody.